Nicola Dolo is back. Jonathan India is back. And winning baseball is back. Uh, all right. Well, for like two weeks anyway, it has been. And it's been fun, right? But there are some takes about small sample sizes that need to be addressed. We're all over that on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside my co-host, Jeff Carr. Uh, both of us have a passion for baseball. Uh, we have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have been podcasting about this team for about four seasons each. We have over eight years of combined podcasting experience talking about the Cincinnati Reds, and we have turned our passion for this team into information for you. On today's podcast, I am going to tell you why a Reds legend is dead wrong. Jeff and I will also discuss the pressure on general manager Nick Crawl right now. And in addition to that, we are going to review the current hot streak of these Cincinnati red legs. And the Reds are, in fact, red, hot, hot, hot. And Jeff, I think we need to look no further than last night's starting pitcher, Nick Lodolo, who in six innings of work, struck out nine guys striking out the side in the sixth inning to show that this Reds team, as you said up top, is back, baby. Oh, it was so much fun to watch, Steve. That was an important start for Nick Lodolo in his rookie year. I mean, you talk about that start in St. Louis that was so disheartening. He couldn't find the strike zone if it walked up and tapped him on the shoulder. It just wasn't happening. And he even said it in the post game. He was just like, I, I couldn't feel the direction. I couldn't feel the pitches. I, I wasn't sure where it was all going. And you're like, ooh, with those kind of comments, how worried are we for the next time out? Shouldn't be worried at all. Six innings, nine Ks, his first ever quality start of his career. Beautiful baseball. I mean, if you look at the numbers, you go on Baseball Savant, you want to break down everything and see, okay, just how elite was it? It wasn't like crazy elite. There's no numbers that really just, just slam in your face. Like he was absolutely the best that anybody has ever been, but he was phenomenal. And honestly, the 11 runs kind of buried the lead because for me, that was the biggest story of the night. Oh, absolutely. And listen, if you recall, when you and I talked about Nick Lodolo after that horrific start in St. Louis, what I said was he needed to go into the all-star break, regroup, review what happened, rest up. And it was so critically important for him to come out in the first start of the second half and have success. And that's exactly what he did. He came out and he looked like the guy that we had hoped he was all along. Uh, he, yeah. his, his whiff rate was spectacular. He was striking guys out. He was, he was dealing, Jeff. I mean, he was absolutely dealing. And he had good control, too. There was no situation where you're just like, oh, boy, he's got to rein this in. And there were a couple, I, th I think it was like the second inning that the Marlins were able to get a couple of guys on base. 
And it didn't even matter. Like the way that he pitched, he was just so calm and collected on the mound, which has been his MO, regardless of the numbers that you see in his box score for the season. When you watch him pitch, he is calm and he is collected. I, I love watching Nick Lodola pitch because I, it almost feels zen. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the great thing about what happened last night is it was more than just Nick Lodolo caught fire. So many guys caught fire all at the same time. Yeah. And there is, a, there is a pattern developing, Jeff. Let's talk for just a minute about the reigning National League Rookie of the Year and Jonathan India. Uh, he was a triple shy of the cycle in this game, Jeff. And that's not... A break. I mean, it's a great breakout game uh, in itself in a vacuum. But if you look at his past performance over the last couple of weeks, there's a pattern emerging. Oh, yeah. And you're talking about it's funny because our friend Peter Pratt over at Locked on Marlins, who we will be talking to on Friday to wrap up this series, he tweeted out as the game was getting going. He's like, I'm excited to see the NL rookie of the year against the NL rookie runner up of the year, Trevor Richards, um, <clears throat> another feather in the cap of Jonathan India because he beat him and I, the grand slam that he hit wasn't off Trevor Richards, but my, oh my, was he in the zone last night? That is the Jonathan India that we haven't really seen up until this point. Now he's looked pretty solid over the last two weeks in a day type situation. And I think that we are seeing him come back. And I, and I like what friend of the podcast, Nick Kirby said is that a, a strong second half for Jonathan India makes everybody feel better about the future of this team. I mean, and let's talk about those last 15 days for just a second, Jeff, because in those 15 days, Jonathan Indy is 11 for 32. He's hit three home runs, eight RBIs. He's walked four times while only striking out eight times. So, you know, yeah. he's hitting over 300 in that time period and his power is coming along. That I think is the key. That's the most exciting part of this. If Jonathan Indy is going to start hitting for power at the top of the lineup, combined with the fact that Joey Votto has suddenly decided to hit oppo tacos every other day. <laughs> Uh, this lineup is cooking. Something about Joey Votto hitting Oppo tacos and the death of the Chaco taco. I I, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, I love that. I also love Brandon Drury. Another multi-hit game for him. The best bat in the Reds lineup so far this year. Three-run home run. Why on earth isn't he traded yet? Well, you know, I think that it's about timing. Uh, I don't think there's any question in most people's minds that the Reds absolutely have to trade Brandon Drury. It has to happen. But again, you have to have a willing trade partner and, and things have to align. And I think over the course of the next couple of days, we'll see something aligned for Brandon Drury. And, uh, you know, again, this is not that I don't want Brandon Drury around, but right. if you look at his career and you look at what's happening this year, this year is the outlier. And Nick yes. Craw would, it would be an absolute failure on Nick Craw's part to not flip Brandon Drury into something useful long term. So that being said, I think that over the next couple of days, we will see a trade that involves Brandon Drury. The Reds will get something significant in return. You know, is it going to be earth shattering return for Brandon Drury? Probably not because GMs are going to be looking at the same thing you and I have been looking at, Jeff, and that is that this is the outlier year. But right now, Brandon Drury is hot and he can help a team that is pushing towards the postseason at least have a valuable bat that can slot into the lineup in certain situations that can come off of their bench, can do whatever it is that they need to help get them over the hump. 
And I think that that's how general managers will be approaching this. I think it's not going to be a top-notch deal with huge names involved, but the Reds are definitely going to get something useful for Brandon Drury. And the position flexibility really makes him that much more appealing. And it was interesting because Jake Mastriani down at Lockdown Braves reached out to me and said, what would the Reds look for in a deal for Drury? And I'm like, well, they're looking for pitching. So looking at their prospects, they got a left-handed dude named Jared Schuster who's worth taking a look at. We might we might talk about that a little bit more, but we're back on this game. This game was so much fun. Absolutely. Like I said it. In our post-game reaction video that I had last night, it was, it was like the Reds were on rookie mode or something against the Marlins. They just had everything they wanted. And if there was only one thing, if there's only one little thing that we can just kind of be complanatory about, it's that, dear God, who's going to be the catcher for this team the rest of the season? Because we know it's not Stevenson, and I sure as heck don't think it's going to be Michael Papierski. Boy, every day I get a little bit more angry about giving Tucker Barnhart away for free to the Detroit Tigers. I really have to tell you. And I'll tell you what, I'm a little bit pissed off, too, at the fact that they gave Sandy Leon to Cleveland for cash. He was the only other guy in the system with major league catching experience. And and in this season, really, in a season where Tucker, or I'm sorry, Tucker, when Tyler Stevenson has been on the DL multiple times, you're going to give away the only other guy in the system that has major league games under his belt. It's ridiculous. Uh, this catching situation is really, um, you know, for everybody else on the outside looking in, it's probably very laughable. Uh, yes, you're correct. There's not a major league catcher on this roster right now. And the Reds are going to have to address that. Now, do I think they go out and trade for somebody? No, don't do that. Let's not nope. get caught up in that. This is a lost season. It really doesn't matter. You know, if Colesberry and Papierski miss every other ball the rest of the way, who cares? Doesn't matter. Uh, you know, let's yeah. let's regroup for 2023. Let's not waste trade capital on bringing in a, a experienced major league catcher right now in a lost season. But this really reflects poorly on the roster construction of Nick Crawl. Yeah, and I think that's where here in a few minutes we're going to get into why this trade deadline is so important for the legacy of Nick Crawl. But you know what, Steve? <clears throat> I'm detecting a tone of anger. And oh, I think I know where that stems from because the last man to wear the captain's C wants to see a current red wear that C. We'll tell you who and why it's the wrong choice after you figure out the right choice to find to purchase the next special gift, and that is Blue Nile dot. Com. Whether you're looking to celebrate a special moment or you're trying to pop the question, BlueNile.com can help you out because they've got the ability to build the one-of-a-kind engagement ring that she is always going to treasure because you can literally pick every aspect of the ring on the website at BlueNile.com. Plus, if you're like me and you don't necessarily understand the whole jewelry thing, you can tap into their stable of jewelry experts that will help you find exactly what you're looking for to celebrate that special moment and to absolutely get it right. They've got an anniversary sale going on right now. They've got 40% off of all of their jewelry except engagement rings, and then they have a 25% off deal for the engagement ring uh, piece to all of this. So check out BlueNile.com 
today. They're going to make it easy on you to get your next special purchase. Plus, whenever you buy it, they're going to deliver it to your door in a package that's not going to give away what's inside. So shop stress-free today at BlueNile.com. Check out their anniversary sale. Like I said, 40% off of their regular jewelry and 25% off the engagement rings. That's all at BlueNile.com today. Thank you for making Locked On Reds your first listen. Make sure you're following the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. By the way, if this is your first time ever watching or listening to us, thank you very much. And make sure that you're subscribed. Coming up tomorrow, we'll look at what trade rumors are swirling around the Reds because we are in the middle of all kinds, a, a, a storm of trade rumors because the Reds should be very active sellers this trade deadline. And I tell you what, Steve, there was a piece of information regarding a certain player who let's face it should be on that list of possible trade pieces but um barry larkin wants kyle farmer to get an extension and have the captain's c planted on his chest and <clears throat> i don't know man i mean does the c stand for clutch because he kind of clutch right now you have to stop it right now listen <laughs> i have the utmost respect for barry larkin the hall of fame shortstop he has been nothing but underwhelming in the broadcast booth he has brought forth take after take that makes me kind of thankful that he has never been named the general manager or the manager of this ball club he said on last night's broadcast that not only should the reds give kyle farmer not an extension he said a long-term extension and hit him with the captaincy. Now, listen, this team has not had a player where the captaincy since Barry Larkin. So that carries some weight for Barry to be in the broadcast booth calling for Kyle Farmer to wear that C. If any player on this roster right now should be wearing that C, it's Joey Votto. And they didn't give it to him. And as far as I'm concerned, the captaincy in Cincinnati should never be issued again because Barry Larkin was a career Cincinnati Red. Joey Votto is going to be a career Cincinnati Red. We may never again see a career Cincinnati Red in this current economic environment where this team is looking to be more of a Tampa type team where they trade guys with a little bit of team control left bring in new prospects, rent and repeat. There's not going to be a guy that's here for 15, 20 years. Uh, I think the days of a captain are over. And for Barry Larkin to identify Kyle Farmer as the guy that should be wearing that C, I don't know how to say this nicely, and it's nothing against Kyle Farmer, but it is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I, I totally disagree with any idea that Kyle Farmer deserves the captain C. Look, Kyle Farmer's been a nice guy. He's been a fine player. That's not saying that he's been a good player to say nothing of great and don't even start talking about that C, the letter C on his chest, because look, we're talking about a dude who's never had an OPS plus of 100. And this is kind of where you're coming from with his bad takes in the booth is because Barry Larkin does not like to get into analytics. He does not like to really jump into stats like OPS plus. I think that he is the type of dude. He, he is very heavily focused on the eye test and that's fine, but you have to know that going into any take that he is going to give you. And you've got to add in the fact that there's still more understanding to be had about a certain player. Kyle Farmer for an entire season has never put together an OPS plus of a hundred. 
and a hundred is average. A hundred is not MVP level. A hundred is not even team MVP level. A hundred is you are the average hitter. He has never done that. You know, listen, Jeff, a captain is the guy that's supposed to keep the rest of the team in line. He's supposed to be the guy that encourages folks when they're down. He's supposed to be the guy that gets people to walk the straight and narrow when they get out of line. He's supposed to be the guy that motivates others when they're underperforming. How does a guy that has never been league average in his entire career be that particular man? I just don't see it's possible. Look, Kyle Farmer broke into the league in 2017 when he was 26 years old. In that season, he had an OPS plus of 73. Since then, moving forward, an OPS plus of 74, 72, 69, 88. In this season, this season where Barry Larkin is calling for him to get a long-term extension, his OPS plus is 92. He is 8% below, 8% below league average. I, I tell you, like... I think it's also important to note because we are getting into the individual performance of Kyle Farmer. You're saying all these things like he's got to be a career red. He's got to do this. He's got to be a good player. He's got to be a great player. Honestly, he's got to win. The Reds got to win. The Reds don't win. The Reds haven't won. There's not been any winning for this franchise. And and don't tell me about getting a wild card spot and not scoring a run for 22 innings. Hey, listen, Bob Castellini will tell you they were a playoff team in that 2020 season, right? I mean, he will tell you. Winning means postseason success. There has been none. The last guy who led a team to postseason success, Barry Larkin. There's a reason he had the C on his chest. He deserved that. He's a Hall of Famer. There has not been a winning Reds team since Barry Larkin left. There's not been a reason to put a C on anybody's chest. I don't care if they're career red or not. Like I look back on Ken Griffey Jr., he wasn't a captain. Joey Votto's as as much as I love Joey Votto, he's an individual performer. He's not helped this team win. Like There's been a bit of, yes, they need to build around him, but at the same time, I'm not looking at Joey Votto and thinking that one of the things we missed was putting a C on his chest. That, that That's a special, special thing. And oh, I don't yeah. think... No, no, no. I, I, I'm telling you, I don't think that anybody who's been on this team in the last 15 years deserves that C. Well, see, I totally disagree. Joey Votto should have been wearing that thing for the last five, six, seven years. Uh, it's not his fault that Bob Castellini can't build a team. It is not Joey Votto's fault that Bob Castellini meddled in every trade along the way since 2015. None of that was in Joey Votto's control. He just went out and won an MVP and almost won another one in 2017. Uh, that was Joey Votto. Joey Votto did his part. Ownership failed. Front office failed, not Joey Votto. Joey Votto should have been the captain of this team a long time ago. And that's why I'm saying, if you didn't give the C to Joey Votto, nobody should wear it. Nobody on this team moving forward should ever get that C. Because if Joey Votto didn't qualify, if one of the top three offensive performers in the history of the Cincinnati Reds doesn't qualify to be the captain, nobody does. And I would say this because a captain on a ship that doesn't win, so a captain on a sinking ship has to stay with the ship and you're forcing him to stay with the ship. Well, he's kind of stayed with the ship anyway, so I guess 
that still would have worked out <laughs> exactly <laughs> but listen jeff the big takeaway is that kyle farmer's a nice guy he is a great dude i'm sure he's beloved in the clubhouse he is a fine player well he is slightly below average as far as a player goes but he is useful he is a super utility he has he has a purpose and he could be well utilized by the cincinnati reds but he's not a captain and he's sure as heck not the guy that should be getting a long-term extension. Uh, but Nick Craw might be feeling the heat, Jeff. He might be feeling the heat about extending Kyle Farmer. And he is definitely feeling the heat about the 2022 trade deadline. Uh, coming up, Jeff, you and I are going to break down exactly what that heat might feel like and what Nick Craw is expected to do as the trade deadline years but listen if you don't want to feel the heat when you are buying or selling your sports cards you need to head to your you your apple store or your google play store right now and download the sports card investor app right now are you looking to complete your baseball card collection the sports card investor app can help you right now it's completely free you can easily browse over 630,000 cards from every sport not just baseball you can get all of the cards right now with hundreds added each week you can check the latest values of your favorite cards with seven day and 30 day charts uh, find the best prices and buy directly through the app with their exclusive YouTube deals feature. And by the way, if you happen to have a 2019 Tops updated Nick Senzel rookie card, uh, they're selling right now for around 20 bucks. So it might be the right time for you to sell that card right now. And if you're a person like me that is into nostalgia, if you like to, to look back on baseball history and the great teams of the past this app is absolutely perfect for you you can go back in time and see how much your favorite old cards are worth today if you were collecting from the time you were a small kid and you've got those things just sitting around collecting dust in a closet break them out see exactly what they're worth with the sports card investor app you can download the sports card investor app today it is available for free in the google play and the apple app store or you can simply go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on and download that app today to find out exactly what your collection is worth again you can find that in google play the apple app store or at sportscardinvestor.com Make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can follow me at S Offenbaker. That's with two F's. You see it right there. You can follow Jeff. That is at Jeff Carr. And Jeff is spelled with three F's because spelling has always been hard for him. You can also follow the show at Locked on Reds. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Lots of great bonus content over there that does not appear in the audio feed. Now, listen, Jeff, trade deadline is coming. It is now one week away. And some are saying that Nick Crawl is under a tremendous amount of pressure to get this deadline right if he wants to keep his job. Now, I'll be interested to hear what your take is on that because I have a slightly different take. Yeah, because I, I think that this is really the first real and, and really the only test that I need to see of Nick Crawl because up until this point, he's gotten his marching orders, but now he has the ability to be creative. Yes, there's been some times where he's filling out the roster and things like that, but by the time that he was deciding to trade for Mike Miner and sign Tommy Pham, I think that was just 
panic from the from upper management and from ownership and things like that of people who's just like, oh, they're mad that we're not spending money now. We should spend money. And so he just found people who were available. And at that point, nobody was available. So he had to find somebody. I, I, I don't know that we can really put that all on net crawl because that was just terrible timing, but that's still a little bit of, Hey, he could have been a little bit better here. Now is the time because if we're sitting here and the reds get fleeced or it's a situation where the reds trade Luis Castillo, but package Mike Mustakas with them so they could get rid of Mike Mustakas's contract. Mm, failing grade. We're talking about grading Nick Crawl, and if he doesn't grade well in this trade deadline, I think we've really got to ask questions as to whether or not he needs to be this general manager moving forward. Well, you know, it's interesting, Jeff, because I think we're talking about two questions. Um, question number one, is there pressure from the front office, from the ownership group on Nick Crawl? To get this deadline right, is his job in jeopardy? The answer to that is a resounding no. Nick Crawl has been the best yes man that the Castellini family could have ever hired. And as long as Nick Crawl continues to do exactly what Phil tells him to do, and if the moves that Nick Crawl makes saves Bob money, they are going to love him and continue to love him. Now, it's a different question what you're talking about because you're talking about the pressure from the court of public opinion. And Nick Crawl absolutely has to get this right because what we have seen is that Bob and Phil both are susceptible to the pressure of public opinion. So if Nick Crawl gets this completely wrong and just absolutely blows it in the return for the premier trade chip on the trade block in 2022, which is Luis Castillo, if he blows it and pressure mounts, I could see a scenario where the Castellinis make crawl the fall guy in order to try and get out of it. But I don't believe that right now there's any worry in the general manager's office about Nick losing his job based on the things the Castellinis have said to him. Now, again, that could change when public opinion changes, And we both know that public opinion can change on a dime. Right. And that's where, and you kind of read my mind a little bit because I was thinking, yeah, I think there is a scenario where he could get fired, but it's not necessarily a scenario where I think other teams probably evaluate their guys. Like, you know, the Yankees are evaluating Brian Cashman as in we are trying to get to a world series. If you sit on your hands and you don't help us out here at the deadline, we're probably going to put that against you pretty heavily and things like that. The Reds don't operate like that. We know that they don't operate like that because even if they were to operate like that and let go of Nick Crawl, who's the first person they're going to hire? Somebody that's already within their circle. That's just how they go, which is frustrating to think about. But in a perfect world, in a world where uh, merit and the ability to do a job matters, Nick Crawl should be on the hot seat right now because there's been nothing about this team that has made any sense over the last couple of years other than if you explain it by saying we are trying to meet a bottom line, which there's absolutely nobody in this world that will say because no sports fan in this world will take that answer. So they've been trying to feed us all this other stuff and it just doesn't work because you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole by trying to tell us these things like, yes, of course we're going to compete for the playoffs and things like that. At least he has said a couple of things that I sort of understand where he's coming from. Like, yeah, we want to 
eliminate the peaks and valleys and be consistent. And we want to build from the middle of the field out. Yes, people can people can tear that quote apart and say, well, you eliminate the peaks with that. Yeah. And, and then also the performance that he has put forth. He has eliminated any chance at a peak what feels like for a couple of years. So that is where I look at this trade deadline and said, you gotta get it right. Cause if you don't, I don't think he's here next year. I'll be interested to see if that's exactly how it plays out, Jeff, because I'm the Cincinnati reds are one of the few franchises in professional sports where wins and losses don't matter. The ownership group does not care. Now they'll look at the camera and they'll try and say the right thing. They'll try and say, we're trying to build a championship. The wins matter. We're trying to get to the playoffs, all that. None of that's true. They don't care. And it's reflected in the fact of of the decisions they continue to make. Uh, They don't care about attendance. All of their money comes from the TV deals. You don't believe me? All 162 games are on television. If attendance mattered, all 162 would not be televised. The, the fact of the matter is there's no motivation for this ownership group to win other than an ego thing. And I think they lack the ego of wanting to build a winner. What they really care about is their bottom line. And, and, and like you said, and like I said, a little bit further back in this conversation, Nick Crawl has done a fantastic job of following their marching orders to build their wealth. Right. And I, I think that we can all at least connect the dots as to what happened during the Dick Williams era and see Dick Williams was not a yes man. Dick Williams was trying to build a winner. And that is why Dick Williams ultimately left because he got tired of getting pushback from the people who are supposed to be supporting him the most. But one thing is for certain, Steve, that even if I do end up to be right and he is let go after a poor performance, this trade deadline, I still don't think he's on the hot seat because you're right. If he gets let go, it'll be the ownership group feeling the public pressure to go ahead and make a move. But baseball is watching. I mean, baseball is watching and it, it is, it is full effect hug watch season, Jeff. And the, the, the forces that will, will move the Castellinis. It is the, it's the fan group. It's the local beat writers. But it's it's all of baseball. It's these national it's these national writers that if they start picking apart what Nick Crawl does, that's when the Castellinis will feel the pressure. That's when they'll they'll try and salvage some PR mode. So it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to watch just exactly how things play out over the next week. I agree. And I think that on that interesting note. That's where we're going to end today's podcast. Thank you so much for watching and listening to this edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Coming up next, we will look at the latest trade rumors surrounding the Red Legs, whether it's Luis Castillo, Tyler Malley, Brandon Drury, or even if there's rumors about Mike Moustakis, not sure where, but if there are, we're going to cover it on tomorrow's Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen. Now make your second listen the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Steve? As we go through this pressure-packed trade deadline, and the Reds are hot, but it's really more of an entertainment factor than anything else, what can people expect from us? Listen, they can count on us to be there each and every night to watch these games and break them down for them. 
They can count on us to be in the podcasting feeds when breaking news happens. It is Hugwatch. Hashtag Hugwatch 2022. Anytime there's a big deal, we will jump in your feeds, folks. So make sure that you have subscribed on the audio feeds and on YouTube because you can count on us to be locked on Reds every single day.